0: Amen. Again, what a blessing it is to be here. Take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn to the text for this morning's message. Text will be found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Just one simple verse. You should be able to quote it. I don't know if you can quote it off of reference, but... Once you see it, it will come to mind. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Remember this verse? I hope you do. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7 simply says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. This church this verse is near and dear to this church because it's our church verse. It's something we agreed upon right from the get-go, and we chose it for a reason, right? It spoke to our hearts with this simple message that we're walking by faith and not by sight. We we stepped out into the unknown, really reliant on God's leading. We had no idea what was going to happen. Not sure how it exactly would all go, Uh, is this going to be a success, is this just going to be something we try for a little bit and then kind of fizzles out. We weren't sure what the future would hold and it was kind of new territory for us. I remember those meetings we had, I remember sitting outside of a restaurant and uh, many of us talking and saying, okay, we're going to do this, this is what we want to do. And the Lord led our hearts to do it, right? So we made the decision, went through the steps, and now here we are, some six years later, still walking by faith, hopefully. It's pretty amazing what God has done, isn't it? It's pretty amazing the way God has led and the way God has worked through us. We've been through some ups and downs. It hasn't all been um, easy street or a bed of roses or any of those other cliches you want to throw out there. We've had some hard times. We've been through some rough patches. We've been through some really good times, right? We've seen people come and people go. But through it all, God has been good to us, hasn't He? And even in a time where it's easy to become focused on other things, let's not forget what God has done. Because we've we've all had some tough times lately, haven't we? I think everyone has. I don't think anybody would say the past two years or however long has been exactly ideal. We've had some tough times. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's loss, or maybe it's living in a state of fear, or the air of uncertainty about the future. We've all, we've all kind of walked through those paths, and as, we've had, as we have, I've tried to address them with Scripture, tried to bring it to bear on what's going on, because the Bible still has the answers, right? It doesn't matter what's going on in society. The Bible still has the answers for each and every day. Including those still yet to come. You know that, right? There's nothing going to happen over this next year or over the next ten years or however long the Lord tarries His coming that is going to surprise God. Or it's not going to be something that He hasn't already spoken to in His Word. The Bible still has the answers for each and every day that we live. Pandemics or politics, or movements, whatever it may be, they do not negate or cancel the truth of Scripture. People can cancel institutions. People can cancel people, I guess. I don't know how that quite works. But people can try to cancel anything they want. They cannot cancel the absolute truth of God's Word. And so that's why we stand firm on it. For every year that we face. You know, each year we try to set a course. We have what's called a Vision Sunday. And I know there are many away from us, but still I want to lay this out. We we try to give some sort of theme to keep in mind for the coming year, something to kind of focus on as we go through the, the next uh, 12 months together. And it's usually something the Lord lays on my heart that we try to, to, to keep going throughout the year. And I, I've been thinking over the past weeks and months of, what would it be for this year? What, what can we do or what can we say that will fit? Because everything is in a state of constant change, isn't it? <laughs> you never know what's going to happen one day to the next. In the past couple years, we discussed a vision and kind of set a statement out only to see everything take an extreme turn within weeks. At the start of the pandemic, we had the, the uh, theme of real Christianity. Trying to live it out and make it real. Well, we got the chance to do that, didn't we? When everything went haywire and the next year was moving forward, well, there were some setbacks that came and we had to learn what moving forward really was. And so even as I say that, I'm a little hesitant to lay out what this year's might be because I don't know what kind of form it's going to take. But when faced with uncertainty, what do we do? When tomorrow things might change, what do we do and what do we say? Well, first of all, we speak what does not change, and that's God's Word. With each thing that comes along, we address it, we face it, we answer it with God's Word. And through it all, we encourage and we strengthen and we build up what must not change in us, and that is our faith. We walk by faith. That's what's been laid on my heart for this coming year. No matter what may come, no matter what area it may happen in, no matter what we may face as a church or as individuals, we walk by faith, not by sight. Oh heavens, no! <laughs> not by sight. If you walk by sight, if you're if your spiritual life, if you're whole existence is grounded on what you see and what you hear in this world, you would have fallen away a long time ago. Because there's a lot of scary things out there, right? There's a lot of things that would take us away from God. To walk by sight in your spiritual life is to set yourself up for failure. The first time the economy dips or crashes or the stocks take a dive, if your sight is on that and your hope is built in that, well, you're suddenly hopeless. And you're wondering what God is doing, taking all away your, all your money and all those other things that many churches preach. Or the first time opposition comes, you don't know what to do. Or the first time the government says we can't go to church, you don't go. And you know, still, many still have not returned to church because they're walking by sight, not by faith. Now, if you walk by sight, those things in the world will crush you. They'll chew you up and spit you out, and you'll be walking around without direction or without purpose. No, beloved, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And it's not just a one-time faith. Listen, we started out just in this church. Faith Baptist started out in faith, walking in faith, taking a step out. That's why our name is Faith Baptist. We were eager to see what God would do and how he would bless, but that faith wasn't for just a specific amount of time, wasn't it? We didn't have faith until we got settled and we were financially independent and we were off and running. And then, oh, there's no need for faith. No, that's not how it was. Or we're we're not holding on to our faith until God has completed some of his promises to us, or until the building transfers complete, or until fill in the blank. No. We must continue to walk by faith, right? And faith in your life is not just a one-time thing when you believe in the Lord for salvation and that's it and you never need faith again. No, we need it each and every day, don't we? Faith is that way. We begin in faith and we must finish in faith, taking each step in faith as we'll lay out today as we see in Scripture. The word walk here in the text is the Greek word peripateo, literally two words that say walking all around, just stepping all around. It's talking about how you live your life. It doesn't mean you, you walk just a certain section of a path. No, this is talking about how we live. We live by faith, not by sight. It's how we live our lives, and we must live our lives by faith. And in context, Paul's actually talking about some amazing things, future things to come. He's talking about what happens after death and what's going to happen at the resurrection at the second coming and how we will be changed and have a glorified body. Things that Paul had not seen yet, but he had faith in. And that he was living for. In fact, just for a quick bit of context, look at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that While we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor. Because of that, we labor. We live by faith. That whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul was living in anticipation and encouraging these brethren here to live in ant- anticipation of some future things. He was pushing them, encouraging them to live by faith in God. Some things that we have faith in should guide our living here and now, right? We live by faith for a reason, for a purpose. And I want to kind of bear that out this morning and touch on a couple Areas that we can walk by faith in in this coming year. I want to turn you to a familiar passage of Scripture where we'll spend the rest of our time. Hebrews chapter 11. You turn there if you would, please, in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sure you've heard messages preached from this um, section of Scripture. It is the Hall of Faith in uh, the New Testament. The writer here, pointing to faithful examples and setting them before us that we should follow them. I want to set a few points out this morning that will guide us through whatever may come, not only this year, whatever we may face, but for the rest of our years. So Hebrews chapter 11, turn there if you would, and let's let's look at verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Most people would define uh, faith as believing in something or trusting in something, and that's a good description. I mean, at its core, that's what it is in part, but it's a little deeper than just some belief. Because we can believe in something in our head and not in our heart. Or. We could trust in something, but not trust in it fully. Faith runs deeper than just a surface belief, just a surface trust. It's a, it's a rock solid core belief in something that you are assured of its reality. Faith is the assurance that what we hope for or what we hope in, namely God's promises. Faith is the assurance of God's promises that they most assuredly, 100%, will come to pass. There's no doubt in my mind that what God has promised, He will do. That's faith. Faith is the belief and the trust that they will happen. Faith is the certainty in those things, even though we cannot see them. I have never seen God with my own eyes. I've never seen Jesus. None of us have. In fact, we're trusting the word of those who have seen him, right? Isn't that what John and other writers say? John says, hey, listen, I'm talking to you and I'm telling you of what I saw with my own eyes and I heard with my own ears, right? But I've never seen him. How do I know Jesus exists if I've never seen him? But through faith, I see him all around, I see him in creation. I see Him in the goodness of this life. I see Him in His Word. Through faith I have met Him and felt His presence. And though I have never seen Him, I am absolutely 100% sure that He exists by faith. And if He exists, then that means His Word is just as true and all His promises and all that He says He will do is just as true and I have faith in that. It is the rock-solid core foundational belief in God, in His promises, in what I hope in and the certainty of those things even though I have not seen Him. That is faith. Does that make sense? Well, if we have that faith, Do we live in that faith? Does it permeate and control all aspects of how we live? Do you live as if God is real? Or is that only on Sunday morning? And maybe that. Or do you work at your job? Do you uh, conduct yourself as a husband or as a wife or as a... whatever it may be. Do you conduct your life and live your life as if God is real? As if you really believe it? And if as if He is more real than anything else that you can see. Because many people profess a faith, they don't live a faith. And Paul says, we walk by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. Faith is how we walk with God, how we live with God in a right way. Notice verse 2. He says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Our the elders or our forefathers did the same. They lived by faith. They had lives that were full of faith and it showed. One account after another is given us in Scripture that bears that out. And he's gonna, the writer's going to go down and list some people here. But if we ever find our faith failing or wavering, we do well to look into the Old Testament or look into the New Testament and see the examples of Scripture and take note of what real faith looks like. They obtained a good report. They obtained favor with God because they lived by faith. And if we expect to obtain favor with God, to be pleasing with Him, it must be the same. It hasn't changed in the 21st century or whatever we're in. No, we still walk by faith. Look at verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That's pretty simple to understand. He's talking about creation. That everything we see was not caused by something we see. It was made by the Word of God. God spoke and it came into existence. That's Genesis chapter 1, right? Well, how does that help my faith? Well, we need to be reminded who it is we serve. We serve, we trust, we place our faith in the all-powerful, almighty Creator, the One who spoke everything to existence. He is our God. He is our Father. And nothing is beyond His power. And could it be that maybe we've forgotten some of that? As if God is not mightier than some of the things that we face, either on a personal level or on a societal level or on a national level? No, we serve the Creator who spoke everything into existence. And He sustains it. He guides it. He is sovereign over His creation. Creation is not sovereign over God. He is the Creator. Which also tells me this, there is more than what is seen. And I hope we understand that here in our day and age. Because sometimes, man, we can get so focused on what's right in front of us. Whether it's the latest scandal, the latest news story, the latest scare. Or maybe it's the latest personal trial that we might be going through that we forget who God is. We forget that there is more to our life than right here and right now. COVID does not define your spiritual life. It does not define your existence. Masks, vaccines, politics, and whatever side you find yourself on, those do not define your existence here, but yet for many of God's people that, exact, that defines exactly who they are and their stance on it or against it or whatever, right? And I think we've all got kind of drugged down into that. I'm not saying there aren't some important or concerning issues, but that's not what ultimately defines who we are. So perhaps we ought to stop living that way and live a little bit more in faith. Faith in our Creator. Faith that there is more than what is seen right here and right now. And that could cover a multitude of circumstances you might uh, find yourself in. Does your faith rise rise and fall on what you see? Because COVID has killed many people's faith. They're so scared to death. And I'm talking about believers. At the very least, believers. They're so scared to death of dying. They don't know what to do. Right? But yet the promise of Scripture we just read is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But yet we've let things so define us, things that we see so scare us, that we've left faith out of the equation, haven't we? There's more to our life than what we see here. There's more to it. Maybe we need to remember some of the things that Scripture says. Are we trusting in what we see, or are we trusting in the unseen? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Temporary. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. Our life with God is eternal. Our peace and joy and happiness that waits for us Outside of this life, when my life ends, is eternal. It's not fleeting like this life. But yet we get so caught up with things here, we forget there's more to life than what is seen. Perhaps we ought to look past some of that with the eyes of faith and stop being so shaken by what we see and trust the Creator of all things. Through faith, we follow Him, the Shepherd and Bishop of our souls, the One who not only spoke creation into existence, but has come and given his life for us that we might have eternal life with him. Perhaps we walk by faith in that in the coming year. Notice verse (coughs) 4. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Why is Abel counted faithful? Because he did what God asked the way God asked him to do it. God had set forth a a method of worship. Cain went outside of that. And when he was called on it, what happened? He became jealous and he killed his brother. And here, thousands and thousands of years later, the writer of Hebrew points and says, look, Abel was righteous because he worshipped God by faith. You see, part of walking by faith is worshipping God in spirit and in truth. Worshipping God in a faithful way. How God has laid out. And you can just look around at the religious landscape there out today and you see many people are walking away from it wholesale. Churches that call themselves Christian, may I even say churches that call themselves Baptist, are removing themselves from the preaching of the cross of Christ. The preaching of the gospel as G- as salvation through Christ alone by faith alone. Why? Because it's offensive. Because people don't like to hear that they're sinners. People don't like to hear about hell. People don't like to hear about the exclusivity of Jesus when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. That offends other people and so there are churches that are pulling back from that. And they're talking now about being a good person or maybe there's many ways to to God and just different forms, but they all lead to the same place. And there can be a human tendency to to look around and say, well, maybe we ought to rethink some things. Abel could have looked at Cain's offering and said, man, that stuff looks pretty good. Look, he did a good job and he worked hard and now he's able to bring that and uh, be proud of that as he brings it to God. That looks pretty good. Maybe I ought to do that. I've been, I've been killing sheep and slaughtering sheep and doing the same thing over and over. This is getting a little boring. That looks pretty interesting. Had he done that, he would have faced the same judgment Cain did. I've rejected your offering. Why? Because it's not what God asked for. It's not what God told them to do. And listen, there's such a pull now to worship God in any way our heart might fancy. Whether it's coming to a church or sitting under a tree or out somewhere else, you basically now can become your own church and do whatever you want. Do we change to meet that? Do we change to to try to meet and correct and fix every injustice that society has, whether it's here or there or that group of people or this group of people? Do we stop saying words like sin and hell because people don't like it? Do we look around and try to make the church as acceptable as we can to the world? No. We walk by faith. We worship by faith. We must continue with what the Word says. Why? Because we have faith in it. This is what God has said He accepts. This is the way for salvation. This is the way for service. And if I have faith in Him, I'm going to have faith in His Word that it is true and I will live my life according to it. Yes, it may go against what many want. It may go against what many people say. (laughs) It may cause people to walk away. Because it's not cutting edge or it's not entertaining to the sight of many. But if it's God's way, we stick with it in faith. We worship Him in spirit and in truth and we do so by faith. So whatever may come this next year, we walk by faith in our worship. We walk by faith in our worship. Verse 5, there's much we could say about each one of these, but we're simply running out of time. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not fa- was not found. I like the way Scripture speaks. One minute he's there, then you can't find him. Why? He's gone. He's gone. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch, we don't know a whole bunch about Enoch, but what we know about him is golden, right? He says he walked with God and then he was not. He's one of only two people in Scripture. We don't have a record of physical death for him and Elijah. They are taken up by God. Elijah's taken up in a chariot of fire and Enoch just is taken. He was there and now he's with God. Quite an amazing thing. But I want you to notice what it says there. And don't miss the pairing between verse 5 and verse 6. Before he was translated, he had this testimony into verse 5, that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's an amazing thing to be said of somebody. He pleased God. He had God's approval. God was pleased with him. Is that true of you? Is that true of me? Isn't that, there's not a lot written about Enoch. There's, we, we, evidently he wrote a book that Jude quotes, but other than that we don't know much. But what we do know is that he was pleasing to God. Man, is, if that's all that can be said of my life, I'll be happy. In fact, isn't it translated a different way or stated a different way when Jesus says this, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We can't do that without faith. In fact, quite, o- quite often we have this opposite. Enoch walked in faith and he was pleasing to God, right? Quite often we get it reversed. We live our lives not to please God but to please man. And whether that be ourselves, which quite often that's what we do the most, right? We can live our lives to please ourselves, or our boss, or our spouse, or our friends. We live our life to please other people, to have other people's approval, and then we throw what is left of our time, our life, our finances, our energy over God's way, and we expect Him to be pleased with that. This is all I can give you, God. You better be happy with it. If I can make it to church on Sunday, I will. And don't get all judgy on me, because maybe I can't. That's the attitude that we have sometimes. I don't think Enoch had that attitude. No, he lived his life to seek God's approval. And the world is doing everything that it can to draw us into that kind of a mindset To live for ourselves, to please ourselves, to look and to live for what is seen, not to walk by faith. Don't get caught up in that. Part of living by faith is living to please God, to seek His approval, to seek His blessings, knowing that as we serve Him, He provides what is best for us. Did not we hear that this morning? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, And all these things shall be added to you. What? Clothing and food and all the things that we worry about. God will take care of. He knows that we have need of that. What has He asked us to do first? Seek Him, His kingdom, His righteousness. Even if we can't quite see it at the time, we walk by faith seeking His approval. So how about this coming year we walk in faith as we seek to please God first. Not others, not ourselves, but his approval above all. I want it to be said of me, as it was said of Enoch, that he pleased God. Verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That's a packed verse. That's a sermon in and of itself, but simply want to pull out just a few things. Noah was warned of some things that were coming, and haven't we been warned of some things coming? You see, we know how this all ends, don't we? Some people are looking for... The, the announcement from medical authorities that it's all over and life can go back to normal and then it's never going to happen again and we'll be fine. Or they're waiting for somebody who can bring political peace and just everything will be fine and we'll just go on. Well, you know what? That may happen. It may not. There's going to be a next crisis. There's going to be a something else that happens. We know... Where this is all headed. Namely, well, one of the things we know for sure is that heaven and hell are real. And that every single person you have ever met and every single person you will ever meet is headed for one of those two places. Period. And that every single person we have ever met or will ever meet is in need of a Savior. We know that it matters whether or not we trust in Christ for salvation. We know that it matters how we live our life as we stand to answer for Him. We know all of that. We have been warned all of that. uh, Just the same as Noah was. But my question is, am I moved with fear the same as he is? And this fear is not being scared. It's not Phobos, which means to be scared. No, it, it means circumspectly. Causing you to step back and, and look around. It, it has the idea of reverence and doing so in awe. Noah was warned of some things. He, took, he stepped back and took a look around and said, Man, I've got to get busy. I better do what the Lord asked me to do because I trust Him and I trust His Word. And first Noah prepared himself and his family to meet God. Are you doing that? Or are you more concerned with the immediate future? Have you put more prep into your retirement or have you put more prep into heaven? One's coming for sure. The other might come. I'm putting a pension away. I don't know if I'll live to see it, but I know I will go to heaven one day. And I will 100% sure stand before Christ and answer for everything that I've done. Am I preparing for that? Or am I more concerned with a cushy retirement where I can sit around and do nothing for years? Well, it seems like Noah was more concerned with important things. He prepared himself. He prepared his family. He did what God asked. There's a lot of God's people prepping for the wrong things. Things that they can see when we ought to be getting ready to meet God. But that's not all Noah did, is it? In fact, Second Peter says he was a preacher of righteousness. Not only is he preparing to meet God, but he was preaching to others as well. And That's faith, isn't it? So assured of God's word and what is coming that not only do we prepare ourselves, but we, we preach to others about what is coming. We tell them about heaven. We tell them about salvation and the forgiveness that Christ brings. Even if they balk at us or scoff or when they call you names or they tell you to be quiet, faith does not stay silent. No. Why? Because we believe what's coming. And we keep preaching no matter what the climate is around us. Even people with itching ears and people turning themselves to fables that are taken for truth. Do we change? Do we stop? Do we lighten up? No. Can you imagine if that's what Noah would have done? If he would have hemmed and hawed around about the flood and said, well, maybe it might be coming. Probably be good if you think about it. I don't think Noah did that. I think he preached with all his heart so that people knew. We preach the gospel until the sky splits and our Savior comes again no matter what CNN or Sacramento says, we preach the gospel. We walk by faith this coming year and every coming year in faithfully preparing to meet our Lord and faithfully preaching His Word. Verse 8. Two more points to look at this morning. Verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, obeyed. Maybe you should circle that one. That's a pretty good one. What did he do? He obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, sprang there even of one in him, as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sand which is the which is by the seashore innumerable. Abraham is such a wonderful. Story, and a wonderful account of faith. He's called the father of faith for a reason. And he starts out on the right foot. God says, get up and go. I'm calling you out of this land and I'm taking you somewhere. Abraham doesn't say, where, what, where are we going? He didn't say, I need, to, I need to know the plan. I need the itinerary because you're messing up my 5, 10 and 15 year plans. And I've got things I want to do. And just hold on, Lord. Let me see if I approve this. No, what does he say? What does it say he did? He obeyed. He obeyed. He followed, no matter the questions he might have had. He followed God through a strange land looking for the promise of God. Which is a perfect metaphor for exactly what we're doing in this life, isn't it? We're following God through this strange land, following His leading, looking for that final city, whose foundations and builder and maker is God following His leading by faith in the meantime. We might have questions along the way. Maybe you've had some questions recently. Like, why are you allowing this, Lord? Why are we going this way? What's happening? What are you doing? Where are we going with this? We all have those questions. This is I'm sure Abraham did, but yet he did not allow it to shake his faith, did it? He followed. Maybe you've had some questions and you don't quite see the path God is leading you on. Don't allow that to shake your faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. What we see Abraham doing and what we see Sarah doing is following him faithfully and watching God fulfill promises before their very eyes. Isaac was humanly impossible, but not with God, right? Do you think he's done with that? Do we read these Old Testament uh, occurrences? Do we read the New Testament and say, well, that's fine, that was then, it's not going to happen now? No, God has not changed. God can still do impossible things. Will we follow in faith and watch Him do it? Do we believe that? Listen, beloved, I believe the church can grow in the midst of this pandemic. I believe the church can grow in the midst of the unrest and everything that's going on and anything that we might face. None of that hinders God's power. The difference maker is whether I and you live and follow Him by faith. Because if we follow Him by sight, we'll close the doors, we'll be quiet, we'll just go about our own business and go home. I'd rather be like Abraham. Okay, Lord, I don't, know. I don't know what lies ahead, but I'm going to follow You. I'm going to watch You do some amazing things. Can we walk by faith in that in this coming year? Let's end with verse 13. Verse 13 down through verse 16. These all died in faith Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. And maybe, maybe this is where we need to focus a bit more today, because verse 15, sadly, is a reality for far too many of God's people. They start looking around at the here and now, and their minds and their hearts become captivated by this strange land the baubles and the trinkets and the stuff becomes more precious to them than God and the country He's prepared for us and the promises that He has for us. People have left church because of money. People have left church because of housing. People have left church because of fleshly desires. Things in this world that they allow their sight to control their lives. Things that will ultimately pass away. Many people are, have turned back looking for something here, looking for heaven on earth. They've just got to get to that state that we just know is heaven on earth and everybody's a Christian and nothing ever bad happens in Texas or Tennessee. Or Why does nobody go to Ohio or Iowa? Why is it all these other places? Nothing ever bad happens there because everybody's saved, right? It's heaven on earth. And God comes down every Sunday and has manna. What are you looking for? Heaven on earth? What if Abraham says, you know what? Ur looks pretty good to me. I really like it here. I'm comfortable. Everybody's nice to me. I got my life going and I think I'll just stay here, Lord. Or let, let's go over there. In fact, didn't Lot do that and get in trouble? That looks really good over there. Look at all the green pastures. Oh man, I can my sheep and my my herds will be so well fed and watered. That's just so beautiful. That's just amazing. I want that. What happened? Sodom and Gomorrah. People have gotten too captivated with the here and now. Looking for heaven on earth, looking for heaven in some amount of monthly income or in some place or thing that takes the place of the ultimate reality of God and his promises. Heaven is not here. We know that, right? Heaven is coming. Now, God blesses us immensely in this life, and we have much to be thankful and happy for. But our ultimate reward, our ultimate and final happiness, our ultimate and final joy, which blows our human minds, is still yet to come, right? Just the same as it was for all those before us who walked in faith. They trusted the promises even though they didn't receive them. They saw them afar off. A lot of that is talking about Christ, which we stand on the other side of so very blessed to have the completed Word of God and to be able to look back and know my redemption was completed by Christ at the cross. But there's still some promises we see far off, right? I don't have them yet. I don't have heaven yet, but I believe in them. Notice what happens In their hearts. They're persuaded of them. That's faith. Verse 13. They were persuaded of them. They embraced them. And they confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on this earth. There was a persuasion. The belief in their heart. There's an embracing of saying, Yes, this is what matters. This is what I'm going to live my life for. And then there's a confession. This world's not my home. No. I'm going to Him." I have faith in his promises, in what is coming for me. I'm seeking a better country. You know what that word means? A native land, a home. I'm seeking a better home. One like verse 10 a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. One that won't crumble, one that won't fall apart. One that is built by God. Verse 16. Now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. I wonder if He ever is ashamed with me. You ever wonder that? Or... Does He point to you, does He point to me just the same as this writer does with these faithful men and women in in this Hebrews chapter 11 and say, look, they lived by faith. Is God able to point to us like He does to Job and say, look, that's a faithful man. That's a faithful woman. Because we are persuaded of His promises, we've embraced them, and we've confessed that we're going to walk by faith and live by faith for Him. Knowing That He is preparing for us a place which He will come to bring us home to. That's what living by faith looks like. And it's not a faith that's futile, but it's a faith that will be fulfilled. For God is faithful to keep His word. If you walk by faith and you find your existence defined by what happens or does not happen in the world around us, you'll be tossed around, you'll be without strength, you'll be built on sand... But if we walk by faith, we'll be unstoppable. Unstoppable. That's how we are to live. Each day. Now I'm sure there's some things coming in the next year that's going to try to throw us off course. I don't know what they may be. Maybe it's the form of some new mandate or some new crisis that comes up. Maybe it's some opposition. Maybe it's a personal struggle that you're going to go through or that I'm going to go through. And whatever form it may take, may no, make no mistake, it's meant to take our eyes off of God to cause us to start living by sight and not by faith. And when those times come, will you walk by sight and say, Oh, this looks so bad. Oh, no, what do I do? Or will you live in a settled faith in God? That no matter what happens, we trust the Creator of all. We trust the Savior of our souls. And that we will continue to worship Him in faith. We will continue to seek His approval above all. We'll continue to follow Him. Preparing to meet Him and preaching the same to to all those around us. That we believe and embrace and confess and live our faith out in this world. In which we are strangers and pilgrims on the way home. Will you walk by faith? You know, we started, we started out doing some things that were outside of our comfort zone. Boldly stepping out. New stuff or different stuff. And boldly believing that as we did so, God would bless. And He has, right? Right? He really has. We've tried to maintain that. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't doubt. Don't turn aside to other things. No, let's keep at it. Let's keep walking in faith. Let's keep living by faith because that's the best thing we can do for whatever may come. I don't have a clever slogan I don't have a clever catchphrase. Just a simple reminder of what Scripture says. Not just of how we started, not just of what's in our very name, but what should define each and every day for us. That we would walk by faith. So this coming year, let that be in your heart and in your minds. That I will walk by faith and not by sight. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to take these words that have been spoken use them to your glory, Lord. Strengthen our faith, because at times it's weak. There's much in this world to take our eyes off of you, to cause us to start walking by sight and basing our life on what we see rather than assurances in your promises, Lord. So please strengthen us. Strengthen my own heart. Help me to walk by faith today, tomorrow, the rest of this year, the rest of my life, Lord. That I may look to the examples that, have, that you have given in Scripture and I may seek to do the same. Lord, I pray that you would use this message as you see fit. Work now in our hearts and our minds, whatever need may, there may be, Lord, that you would speak to it and draw according to your will. And do the work in us that only you can do. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.